This is the Packer and Durham Podcast, Hour 3. Packer and Durham Power Hour is upon us as we continue to stream live on the ESPN app. Sirius XM 371, that's where you can find us Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 a.m. And, of course, there's a number of radio stations that have jumped on board. You know the drill on that thing. 844-SAY-ACCN is the number for the program. I appreciate Drew Carter filling in for me yesterday. Good to be back. Uh, WNBA draft last night. ACC does a really good job. Uh, Emily Inksler out of Louisville, the fourth overall pick and the first of uh, seven from the Atlantic Coast Conference to be chosen last night. 17 consecutive years, the Atlantic Coast Conference has had at least one selection in the first round of the WNBA draft. Yeah, Last night, Inksler becomes the latest, going to the Indiana Fever uh, with the fourth overall pick. Indiana had a little bunch of picks, four and six there in that first round. You see second-round action. Kiana Smith, also from Louisville, went to the L.A. Sparks. Alisa Kunane of NC State and Summerfield, North Carolina, now goes to the Pacific Northwest with the Seattle Storm. Lorella Kubai was taken with the next pick in the second round by the Storm and then promptly shipped to New York. The forward who, from Italy and played collegiately at Georgia Tech, Kayla Jones of NC State to the Minnesota Lynx. Aza Shepard a pick later to the Aces from Las Vegas. And Maya Dodson of Notre Dame, third round, 26th overall pick to the uh, Phoenix Mercury. Congratulations to all those young ladies yep. chasing a dream, living large. Yep. Hopefully get a nice fat paycheck playing hoops. Can't yeah, that's a pretty good life, right? Yeah. Life's good. Good congratulations, all of them. Happy day to for Jeff Walls and his program as well. Uh last night with the WNBA draft. Nice. And, um we did have a basketball note on the men's side last night. Dallas Walton announced on social media he is signing with an agent and will stay in the NBA process, so there will not be a return to Wake Forest for what would have been his COVID year. Uh, Davian Williamson is uh, still, I think, pondering that, along with several others who have the COVID year, and we'll try to keep you posted as much as possible, but as Packer says, we'll probably just wait till October. Yeah, and I kid you not, whether it be football, any sport for this matter, the way the transfer portal works, unless you have a ton of free time and really nothing to do, you can keep up with it. Yeah. it. It's impossible. Like I said, it's such a moving target that as far as uh, rosters are concerned for hoops, let me know in October what it the, looks like. The portal is a mess. It is a disaster. Yeah, it is a mess. I mean, there are so many who have jumped in the portal just to portal around. A lot of folks getting some bad info, man. man. There's no place for everyone to land. That, that's, it. that's to me, Wes – uh, the untold story, mm-hmm. and it really hasn't been documented enough, in my opinion, from a national perspective, right. are how many hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of student-athletes yep. that have turned their back on a free education, chance to compete, to think, hey, the grass is greener over there, I'll yep. catch you later, and there's no place That's to it. land. That is a problem. Now, forget the competition. The lack of an education, you know, free education, mm-hmm. is now gone. Now, unless something happens to hopefully for the good, but there are just way too many players 
that are sitting there thinking, ah, I can't play for this coach or whatever. Dog ate my homework, whatever your excuse is yeah. or your reasoning to think that there's another place for you to land. Now, there's a lot of folks that have not found a landing spot. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's frustrating for sure. Um, let's pivot off that to something that uh, kind of is a fun deal, if you will. It sparked our interest when we saw video last week of Brent Pryor and Frank Beamer cooking steaks <laughs> for the football team. Look at there. Huh? Yeah. Coach Beamer going to work, and here comes Prow on the short jog. Yeah, and he gets his apron too. Next thing you know, these boys are at the at the grill. So I liked what Price said there, though. You know, he's running across thinking, "Man, I can't wait to grill." You know, a lot of folks take the approach, "Man, I can't wait to eat them." Yeah, uh, Price ready to roll up his sleeves and get to work. I yeah. like that attitude. Yeah, and you saw the salt and pepper on top of the steaks. Saw, that's all you need. Don't, all you need. You don't need anything more. So, no marinade. No, not with a great piece of meat. You don't salt, pepper. And flame, heat, that's okay. all you need. Know so, what you're doing. begs a question we put on me, on social media last night. Many of you have participated here. We appreciate that. Um, which former or current coaching duo would host the best cookout? And we've had some really, really interesting responses, some on social media. And our folks in production got after it a little bit too. A little Photoshop action with some coaching combinations, if you will. Uh, let's go to the, uh, well, there's Pry and Frank Beamer. Don't know about the choice of wine there for coach. I'd have gone with the red. If you're drinking, uh, you're going to have the red meat. You got to go with the red. The asparagus and the corn on the grill. Is, As, you uh, know what the problem with that shot is? What? The, the veggies have too much of a prominent display there. <laughs> it, it needs to be other way around. All right. Meat needs to be front and center. We'll yeah. get, we'll get to the corn and the asparagus. Maybe thinking wellness plan. There you go. All right. Next. What else we got from the production folks here this morning? Uh, let's see. Uh, young Chapin. Oh, Dabo and Danny. Uh, uh, got to be able to uh, cook it. Uh, fine, fine uh, piece of meat, uh, youngster <laughs> meat people. Uh, Win Dixie people. Win Dick uh, the beef people. Beef people. Beef people. People. Right there, you go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I hope Dabo's I'd say not Dabo's watching. looking like he's salivating right yeah, there. Yeah, he is. Yeah. I mean, Dabo's like, like Danny's showcasing, like, hey, I got it going on. And Dabo's like, you better, man. I'm going to have Dabo, three of them. Dabo's head on the uh, picture here looks like uh, eerily like the youngster that showed up from Pelham to play for Coach Stallings, not, yeah. the, not uh, the accomplished national championship coach. All that's right. That's it. Next. And, oh, yeah, it's my favorite. Yeah, these two. Yeah. I, would, I don't know what they're cooking, but I'm not eating. Let's put it that way. No need for the face shield today. No, no, not for Josh. No. And Kremens, there's no telling. All right, so combination of cooking, camaraderie, fellowship, what do you got, huh? My pick was, and I just tied in two guys that are currently active at one school. I I thought Dave Clawson, who's one of the ultimate foodies. Sure. And Steve Forbes, who's a great storyteller, would be a perfect combination. So I'm going to head to Winston-Salem for the cookout. How about Jeff Halfley and Acacia Walker Weinstein? That'd be good too. But I know Clawson's a foodie. I, I know that. And I, I know Narduzzi's he's already told us he's good on the grill. Narduzzi? And I know Dave Doran would be good on the grill. I'm gonna go Acacia. I think Acacia and Jeff would be fun. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah. I wouldn't I would not mind that combination. No. All right, let's go to the uh, socials, shall we? Um, 
Mark says, hands down, Jimmy Johnson, Mario Cristobal. Jimmy Johnson used to have a restaurant in uh, in the Keys. I want to say it was called Three Rings. Now, how much cooking was involved from Jimmy, I'm not sure. Yeah, that sounds like, okay, I'll put my name on it and let's go on down the road. I, I, I'm not. Uh, Pretty good location, by the way. Oh, I'm sure it is in Miami. Yeah. And I don't know about Coach Cristobal yet. I, I don't know enough about him. Yeah. We haven't had a chance to meet him yet. Maybe Hopefully we, find, we will next we, month. Yeah, find out a little bit more. He yeah. doesn't want any walk-up music, so that that's yeah. that's that's the first Heisman pose, yeah. stiff arm. So you know, I, I gotta I gotta warm up to that. One here's a a, here's another one, Miami driven, uh, and it's act well, it's actually Pittsburgh driven, although there's a Miami flavor to it with Dave Wanstat. Dave Wanstat and Coach Narduzzi from at Sherry Power. I wouldn't mind that either. I yeah, think that'd be pretty good. That'd be all right. Yeah. I think yeah. Uh, I had a great conversation one night once that about ACC basketball. Uh, Jason Gutierrez says, how about Dave Clawson and Dave Odom? Wake Forest. Yeah. That's why I went the modern version with Forbes. I, I think to me, as, as many times as Forbes has been on here, cutting jokes and having fun. Right. I know Steve Forbes would be great at a cocktail party yeah. or a cookout. And I know Clawson would be great behind the grill. I, I, that's why I said Clawson for me, makes like scratch stuff in his house. I know, he would yeah. be true. But if you gave Dave Clawson the heads up that hey, coach, tag you're it, you're involved, you're the grill master. Let's prepare for a meal. Right. I know it would be good. Right. I know it would be good. Right. And I know uh, Forbes would be hilarious. Yeah. With a beverage in each hand. Um, at VH Carolina fan says Roy Williams and Hubert Davis. I have no feel for this. I don't know. Conversation would be great. I don't know. If, I can't. I, you know, I could be again dead wrong. I, I don't see Roy as as a grill master. I don't know. I, I don't. I just don't see. That's the that interesting part about this is you don't know. You just don't know what those I think guys Hubert, do. I think Hubert, as gregarious as he is, would be great. Yeah, to Hubert. hang out with. Roy, be, not that oh, Roy, Roy wouldn't be either, because Roy's having the best time of anybody on the planet Earth yeah. right now. Uh, but as far, but somebody's got a grill. Somebody's got to be in charge of the grill. Right. Those two guys, I think, would be great storytellers. I'm not sure they're the grill masters. Huh. I'm uh, I'm interested here. See what it is. Let's go to Mark in Virginia. Mark, good morning. Welcome to Packer and Durham, sir. Oh, well, well, thank you, well, thank, thank you, Wes. How are you doing? Great, sir. Uh, all right, Mark said Jim Beheim. And Julie Beheim. And Julie Beheim. But between cutting in and out of a bad cell. That was all right. Yeah. Um, I think Julie, I'd like to talk to Julie Beheim. Jim likes restaurants, I know that. I'm sure there's Jim no, is a huge restaurant. I have no doubt about that. The road trips for Syracuse but always who's feature. Who's grilling with that group? I'm not sure. Not sure. Who's the grill master there, buddy? Jimmy. <laughs> How about uh, Jeff in Chapel Hill? Jeff, good morning. Good morning, guys. I got a good Tough. pair for you. Uh, this may sound a little self-serving, but I want to have John Bunting to be telling stories, and I'm going to be on the grill. I regularly cook out for the Thors on the Carolina track team. You can figure on 16 to 20 offensive lineman-sized people. I'm feeding them no problem. And John telling stories and being host. 
John Bunning, I know for a fact, would be excellent around the grill and fire. Yep. I have no doubt about that. John Bunning, terrific storyteller, too. Yep. Yep. I agree with that one. And maybe one of the finest Bill Dooley impressions ever. He always kind of sounded like Bill Dooley. He, he, he Even can, when he wasn't trying to do them. Yeah. I, he always kind of sounded that way to me. Uh, Beret has texted us. What Bone have to say? Uh, live from Issaquina Trail. He says, Bones McKinney and P. Head Walker, except you'd never eat because they wouldn't stop talking. Well, you couldn't chew because you'd be laughing so hard. Oh, my God. Bones. Horace Bones McKinney. Do you know we have a horse on our show? Yeah, Ives. Ives is a horse. I've heard. H.B. H.B. Ives. You don't hear that as a first name very often. No. No. Is he named after Bones McKinney? Beats me. There's, I don't know anybody else named Horace. What do you think Leonard would Horace be? Grant. Would Leonard, Leonard Hamilton be good around the grill? I, I don't know. I can't. You know, I see, it's one of those you can't quite. There's certain people that you could see. What do we think about Kay? He's got retirement on that. No. You don't think Kay can cook? No. At all? At all. Zero? No. My dad could do nothing. No, I, I my I dad was a zero. I, I can't see K behind the grill. I tell you what, I tell you what, K would be great at though. Wine, wine, absolutely. He'd tell you, "Oh, we're having that. Great, let me pair. Let that me up. pair that with." Yeah, I think he. I would put. In fact, I would put I'm him in charge of that department. Oh yeah, wouldn't you? Yes, because I know for a fact that that is a strong suit. Now I'm maybe if we're having brats, maybe K goes to the grill and says, "Hey, I got this. We'll Polish heritage tie in the brats." Is Billy that. a grill master at all? Uh, Billy's okay. Billy's okay? Yeah, not yeah, bad. That's good. He doesn't mind. And here's the thing I like about Billy. He, he's pro-charcoal. I'm a charcoal guy. Yeah, there's something so, about the charcoal. Charcoal tastes better. Than, I mean, I'm not anti-gas, if you know what I mean. But I am pro-charcoal. Neither's Fuller. No, Fuller is pure gas. Sulfur biscuits. We'll take a break. When we come back, uh, speaking of legacy moves in the Atlantic Coast Conference... Nolan Smith. You feel the emotions on this one, don't you? Yeah. I mean, his dad was a great player there. Uh, a guy his dad mentored and Kenny Payne's the head coach and kind of feels right, Nolan Smith's at Louisville. We'll chronicle his return to the Ville next on Packer and Durham. The Packer and Durham Podcast. I want to introduce you guys to the new assistant coach uh, with the Louisville Cardinals, Mr. Nolan Smith. You know, as I talked about in the press conference, uh, the criteria that I was looking for, uh, the whole time I knew it was him. Love of young people, high character, dedicated to the craft, helping kids reach their dreams. All of that is him. And the big plus is that he's a family member. Um, I know that someone's looking down on us today, and Jerry Eves can attest to this, is smiling, and that's his father, uh, who taught me everything that I know. And to have him in this program, as I said earlier, his blood and spirit is back in Nolan. Mentioned earlier, uh, I thought the Kenny Payne hire was a smart one for Louisville, Mm -hmm. and so is this one with Nolan Smith. Everything about this makes a ton of sense. 
the Louisville DNA, great recruiter, right. connects with young people. I love everything about this hire. Really does. Yeah, I, it's, it's a no-brainer to me. I think Nolan Smith is a is a terrific link for Kenny Payne to get started. I'm equally curious to see how the rest of the staff gets filled out. But you can tell this is different now. Um, and I think we said in the first hour this morning, reiterated here, had it not been Kenny Payne in Louisville, Nolan Smith wouldn't have left Duke. I just think it's that simple. This is the exemption, if you will. This is the special exception to what Nolan Smith's about. Uh, his mom is a graduate of Louisville. Uh, his sister is a graduate from Louisville. His dad was one of Louisville's great players on the Doctors of Dunk team in the 80s. And Kenny Payne finished and was a part of the 86 title, as we talked about for, for Denny Crum in Dallas. Uh, but Nolan Smith was so entrenched at Duke that it had to be something specific and something – that was going to touch a lot of things other than basketball. I think this is it for sure. 100%. Like I said, the the biggest issue Louisville has right now, they just need to somehow get an answer from the NCAA so they can move forward Mm -hmm. and understand if there's going to be any penalties, if they're going to get smashed, just slap on the wrist. I don't know what it's going to be. Neither do they. But they've been living under this cloud for so long. It's like at some point in time, the NCAA needs to get up from their deep, deep slumber and go, oh, by the way, Here's what we have found. Yeah. Here's the ruling so everybody can move forward. But on the surface, Kenny Payne, love the hire. And Nolan Smith coming, quote-unquote, back home yeah. makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Uh, here's Nolan Smith on his relationship with the Cardinals head coach. I've been, I've been blessed to have a lot of uncles. <laughs> when my dad passed away, you have one of them sitting right here, Uncle Jerry Eves. And... So KP's been that, been that for me since my dad passed away, even while he was alive. But especially when my dad passed away, I had a lot of people come into my lives. And Kenny Payne was one of those people that came into my lives that coached me in life, coached me in helping become a man, um, coached me in basketball as a player, and then even now as a coach, somebody I can always call and to be a mentor. Um, we were just talking to one of them, Uncle William Wesley, Uncle Wes. I know he's probably watching right now. He said, make sure I shout him out. But <laughs> I, I know he's a very happy man and proud man right now as well. Um, but he's, he's meant everything to me. So, again, to be here with him now as we start this journey, that yeah, means a lot. Uh, it is of note yesterday, uh, we don't have the comments specifically to show you here, but Nolan said when he and his wife landed, uh, in Louisville yesterday prior to the press conference, they went by the cemetery where his dad was buried. Um, I mean, I can only imagine the emotions of all that, but now to find him on the staff and to find him essentially charged, as Kenny Payne has been, to bring Louisville back to the status that the Cardinals had in the 80s when both his dad and Kenny Payne were part of national championship teams. And Nolan talked about what it's like to be on the road for Louisville now recruiting with Kenny Payne. I felt a lot of fear of, of opposing schools. And, and, and I'm serious, and it felt great. It felt great. A lot of people, like, like Coach Payne said, like just saying congratulations, man, we're happy for you, and you and KP are going to kill it. But then just walking past kids, and you hear them go, that's, that's Louisville. That's, <laughs> yeah, like there was just something about it that when Kenny Payne was hired, and then when, when, he, when, he, when I was hired, it just felt a different feeling about this about this logo and this week, and I really felt that. 
Well, they're going to need a lot of recruits to feel it, right? Well, here's what I like about Louisville. Mm-hmm. Number one, you don't have to preach about, well, our dream is to win a national championship. We're going to do A, B, and C. They've done that. Mm-hmm. They've walked that walk. So this is a program, uh, it kind of reminds me of Florida State in some respects in football, that you don't have to talk about pipe dreams. You've been there, done that. Right. You know, you, you've won at the highest level from a team perspective. You won the highest level from an individual perspective. You got an incredible fan base that loves and appreciates college basketball. That's why I kept saying the Louisville hire is so important for not only the cards, mm-hmm. but for the ACC. Because Louisville basketball needs to be good, much like Florida State in football, Miami in football. It's the same kind of deal. You got a national reputation. You have a national brand. You can win at the absolute highest level. You can have an incredible home court and home field advantages. So let it rip. Let yeah. it go. But they need to get that NCAA answer and rearview mirror that thing. Yeah. ASAP. Um, look, they've got a lot of guys in the portal. There's no point getting into all the details of who's in who and who's doesn't. out. And, right. Who doesn't have a lot in the portal. Um, to me – the thing that Kenny Payne and Nolan Smith face beyond that NCAA cloud is they're going to have to have that part where the lights come back on at the Yum Center for this program. Uh, they have a passionate and deep fan base. We've talked about that before, right? They have it for seemingly everything. But the winning consistency that that program had has just not been there in the last three years. That's the part. Well, I'm back up. 1920, it was there. They were going to get a high seed in the NCAA tournament had we had the 20 tournament. But these last two years, Pac, that's not been good. And that's the thing for me that as the University of Louisville moves forward, that's the part right there that they've got to have that kind of continuity and that winning takeover. Yeah, but I I would say this. Given how crazy this past year was, I mean, you lose your coach in January – uh, you get off to a 4-0 start in the mm-hmm. league, whatever, and it goes sideways. Th- that, to me, is not a snapshot of what Louisville basketball is about. What the snapshot to me is walking into the Yum Center going, this place is hopping. Right. These folks yep. know college. Ba- and, and, again, it's not a bandwagon. Louisville is not a bandwagon school when it comes to hoops. Yeah. It is one of the great environments in college basketball. That whole Commonwealth, they get it. Whether you're in Lexington, whether you're in Louisville. Right. They follow it. They keep up with it. They're knowledgeable. So, to me, it's a school that you can win at the absolute highest level if you've got the right people in place and the right leadership. And that can happen again at Louisville. Yep. And congratulations to Nolan Smith. Look forward to catching up with him again. He's a great guy. We've had him on a couple times. He's been terrific. First class. Every time. When we come back, uh, we go to South Florida. Speaking of rolling Mm. and winning, Miami – My goodness. Gino Damari has got the Canes in overdrive in the ACC. We'll come back, catch up with the skipper next on Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham on a Tuesday. Uh, Our next guest makes his third appearance on the program. But I'll tell you what. Might there be is, a lot more coming. <laughs> there is nobody in the Atlantic Coast Conference in baseball playing better than these dudes. And right. there's a, as I said earlier, we've got four teams ranked in the top ten in the latest polls. But this next guy yeah. has watched his guys win 13 consecutive, including a sweep over the red-hot Virginia Cavaliers, who ranked third in the country going into the weekend. Yeah, Gino Damari joins us from uh, South Florida this morning. Uh, congratulations, Coach, on a great weekend. Holy smokes. 
Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was uh, – we played well. You know, like I said to you off the air, it was a big weekend for us coming in with uh, Virginia playing red hot. We were playing good, and, uh, you know, I was expecting uh, to be a good series, a tough series, and uh, maybe a low-scoring series. They had a lot of lefties. They were all lefties in their rotation. and We haven't seen a lot of lefties, and we're kind of top-heavy in our lineup lefties. And uh, I thought we did a good job with their pitchers, and uh, our offense really um, – you know, one through nine uh, did a great job. Coach, I know it's as easy as going back and going, well, you gave up 20 at Clemson once, and since then you haven't lost a game. But has there been something that you saw with this group that you sensed that, hey, you know what, we're a good club, and this thing's getting ready to turn, and when it does, man, we are off to the races. Yeah, I mean, that game that you're talking about was the last game we lost, and um, I think, to me, maybe the there's, there's a lot of things that when you're winning – the way we're playing and the games, the streak that we have that uh, would go to the success. But I would say the bullpen, you know, our bullpen and the depth of our bullpen has really stepped up. We knew we had a lot of good arms in the pen, but at the end of the day, you got to get people out. And um, our guys in the bullpen have done a good job. We really haven't. And the, the weekend, other than Carson, which Friday, to be honest, after the first two innings, I was thinking, my goodness, he's probably not even get through five innings. <laughs> he ended up pitching well three, four, five, and six. He got through, gave us six innings, which was huge to kind of save our bullpen a little bit there for the weekend. But, you know, our other starters, we didn't get um, deep into the game. We had to go to our bullpen in both Saturday and Sunday. I believe we went to our bullpen in the fifth inning. And so those guys have done a great job, along with a lot of other guys. But to me, that's what stands out during this stretch of where we've been playing well is the bullpen and the depth of it. All right, so you and J.D. got this thing now checked and balanced then, right? Hitting, pitching, all the the core elements you got to have to have a big Miami year seem to be falling in place, it feels like. Well, you just said it. you you got to have everything in place. You can't just – you know, I told the guys, you know, when you at the end of the day, if you out-pitch, you out-hit, and you out-defend the team every game. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not always going to work stretch. We haven't done three out of three, but a few times, but we've done two out of three quite a bit. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's that's what you call a team effort. When the uh, offense, sometimes the pitching's not where it needs to be. The hitters need to pick them up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the defense needs to be. That's one of the things the defense has been during the stretch. We're fielding about, I say the stretch, our winning streak. We're fielding about 980, a little over 980 which we had not been doing up to that uh, point. We were fielding a little under 970, so we've defended much better during this time. So, yeah, you, you got to put it all together. That's that's the bottom line. Gino, we were talking during the break. Pac mentioned it earlier in the show, four in the top ten. It feels like the ACC's on the comeback here. I mean, and not to diminish that the league has been down, but it really feels like this thing's got a chance to, to work the way the conference wants it to. And you've seen this league do this where it's multiple teams in the top 25, multiple teams top 10. They're four right now. Do you get a sense that something significant can happen for the ACC as a whole out of all this? Well, first of all, I think the ACC has been very good for a long time and Mm. very competitive. You've added teams here. I mean, look, we're kind of new to it. I mean, we came in in 2005, so we're, we're, we're a little new to it. And then you add teams like Louisville and Notre Dame and some of the other teams. And so... The depth of the conference, I always tell the story about in 2015, I believe Virginia finished the end of the season barely, and I mean barely, got into the ACC tournament. Yeah. They had to do a playing game. They actually had to do a playing game the way it was set up back then to get into the ACC tournament. 
they won the national championship. And I think they were eighth or ninth at the end of the regular season in our conference, and they won the championship. And then the next year in 16, we have 10 teams in the NCAA tournament. To me, this is kind of a similar year to uh, that 16 year where you've got a number of teams. I mean, if the season ended right now, you could have possibly 10 teams in the NCAA tournament. So, But as a coach in our conference, I mean, it's it's uh, it's a bear every weekend. The depth of our conference is, is as good as anybody in the country. And uh, you're right. I mean, when you got four teams in the top ten at this point right now, it shows, uh, you know, not only the depth, but there's some teams here that have a chance to uh, maybe go all the way. Coach, I don't mean to fast forward through a midweek game, but uh, this weekend you get Virginia Tech. The Hokies cracked the top 25 in the D1 uh, poll this week. And we had a replay yesterday. They're stealing home base in the snow. And I'm thinking, man, I got Miami smoking hot down the Coral Gables. I got the Hokies hitting things left and right uh, with their offense, stealing home base in, in the snow. I mean, the league's got a little bit of everything. But another huge series coming up this weekend for you. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we, we do have FAU, and that's uh, today. And uh, that's something that, you know, we try not to get ahead of ourselves. But uh, since you're asking me, I have watched some highlights. I did see that play, and I did see that weather they were playing in. And uh, Virginia Tech is good. They 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 came down here in our place uh, and took two or three. After we beat them the first game, they won the next two games, which I have not forgotten. And um, I know our players haven't either. And so that's a big challenge going on the road, playing in weather that we're probably – uh, not used to. If I had to guess, it's probably not going to be 75 degrees or 80 <laughs> degrees like we're used to here. But, but, um, but that's okay. Um, uh, you know, I know our guys are looking forward to it. I think the bottom line is our guys, hopefully, hopefully, staying focused on the task at hand, and that's of course FAU today, and just playing good baseball. And we got. I told the guys after the game on Sunday, we still got a lot of room for improvement. There's a lot of things I just mentioned. I touched on the rotation i'd like to see our starters go a little bit deeper in the games um you know our defense although it's been better of late we need to be more consistent doing that and um there's just a lot of things that we can certainly get better at we got a long way to go in the season so um you know it's good where we're at right now happy where the program's at right now but uh you know we don't want to get ahead of ourselves hey gino you don't have to worry about snow that was last weekend you know, Jim Cantori was in town last weekend in Blacksburg. This weekend, it could be 75 degrees up there. You just don't know how it plays out in April, do you? Yeah. No, and we've played in snow in April before. We went to Pittsburgh a few yeah. years back and uh, played in snow and, and won on a Sunday in a rubber match game. So we've played in some crazy weather in this conference. Fortunately, it's not at our place. We, we're lucky. We don't have crazy weather here when play the majority of our games here but we do obviously have to go on the road and uh in our conference so uh but that's okay guys got to get used to that when they go to the next level you know it's funny you're playing the most important games major league baseball some years you watch in the world series and if they're in northern regions of the country like the yankees for so many years mm -hmm. you're playing in some really really tough weather and those are the biggest games of your lives that you've waited your whole life to play in and so guys got to Got to be prepared to play in all kinds of different elements. Coach, I got good news for you. I just looked up on my weather app. Uh, <laughs> high of 70 in Blacksburg oh. on Friday, 69 Saturday, and 64 Sunday. You're zero, you're zero percent chance of precipitation. So you're, you're living a good life, my man. Life, I mean, you're bringing that Coral Gables weather up there to Blacksburg. Life's tremendous. We'll, we'll take that. I like hearing that right there. Yeah, I hope, there I hope it stays. 
<laughs> By the way, uh, not only are you having great success, I was surprised to know how young this roster is. Mm. It, it's kind of scary uh, how many freshmen and sophomores you have on this program right now that are not only on the roster but contributing to the team. Well, it's it, it's unusual for the circumstances of the time we're going through right now with the COVID and kids getting an extra year and rosters being bigger. We've kind of gone the other route. We, we, we it, it was a decision that we made as coaches. First of all, I'm not a big fan of big rosters. I, I just, I don't like that. It's, uh, it's difficult enough. We've got 32 players on our roster. You're allowed to have 40. Mm-hmm. And most teams that I've, we've played against have had 40 players, uh, 40 man rosters or close to it. Uh, but we have 32 and um, it just, uh, it just makes it easier for so many reasons. And I'm sure you can figure that out, but uh you know, for us, I think it's uh, it's been good. You know, we had a good recruiting class last two really back-to-back good recruiting classes. Our our team is basically heavy freshman and sophomore. We do have a few third-year guys. Um, we only have one player on our team that's been here four years, and that's J.P. Gates. Hmm. Um, so a lot of one-year and two-year guys on our team. And if you look at our lineup, we got a handful of freshmen starting. And uh, we got a freshman in the rotation. We got a freshman setup guy, and um, so yeah, we, we are unusual for us to be in this day and age because most of the teams you're seeing six-year guys and five-year guys and big rosters, and uh, we're kind of the opposite of that, which is uh, which is okay with us. Gino, I want to I want to dive here a little bit into I want to cross pollinate with some other sports. We're hearing a lot about portal, a lot about the COVID year, all those type things, right? Baseball has kind of been dealing with this for a long time because you actually had a sport that somebody could transfer and be eligible immediately because of the clock, the clock for the draft and all those type things. So now that you're seeing it play out in other sports, does the baseball coach in you go, hey, guys, the roster management principles we use, and you just mentioned smaller roster, it does work to your advantage. It has been effective. Do you sense that that is a strength now for your program even more so than what you thought it might be going forward because of the volatility we're seeing across the board in college athletics? Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I know, I know this, you know, how you work your scholarships is is, is got to be different now. You got to make sure, uh, and our sport is so unique with mm-hmm. the scholarship limitation. Um, I kind of compare it to, you know, the big leagues and they have the salary cap situation. It's kind of mm-hmm. similar, but – you know, we have to save money. We got to make sure that we hold money for uh, the portal. And a lot of the recruiting in the portal is done in a very short window. Um, a lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of it, uh, because it's at the end of the season. That's when a lot of action is happening with uh, kids leaving schools. And so you, you're, you're, you know, it's it's amazing. Our coaches are on the road recruiting high school kids in the summertime. But yet we've got to be on that portal 24-7, and I mean 24-7, watching and seeing who pops up, watching a lot of video of the transfers, obviously making a lot of phone calls and whatnot. And and it's a quick, it's really a quick deal. So we've got to make sure we have money available for those guys. It has worked in our favor this year. We have a few guys that are starting for us that are from the portal. Our catcher, Max Romero from Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. has been outstanding for us. Um uh, hitting cleanup behind Yo-Yo Morales, which is an important position in our lineup, I would say. And then, of course, our center fielder, uh, Jacob Burke from Louisiana, southeast Louisiana, is another guy just off the top of my head. And we got about a handful of them that are um, performing for us in different areas. But we've had we've had some success with it. 
so it, it does change. It's a different dynamic. The bulk of your recruiting still needs to be for us um, high school kids. No doubt about that. We need to bring in kids. That, that's the bulk of it. And that's always going to be, you know, the, the mass majority of our players coming in are going to be high school kid, the vast majority. But but we we have to be able to get these guys, uh, these transfer guys. That's just the landscape of recruiting nowadays. So I think our coaches have done a good job with that. How much of uh, this 13-game winning streak has to go with the fact that Dan Radakovich is now the boss at Miami? <laughs> what am I supposed to say? <laughs> oh, Lord. Dan is uh, – you know what? It's, it's interesting. Dan was here back in the mid-'80s. I just mm-hmm. missed him because I played in the late-'80s. He was here in the early mid-'80s, I guess. And then, yeah. But – I do have some ties with Dan. He's, 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 you know, my, my dad, who's been a supporter of the program, um, really the university for a long time, but the athletic mm-hmm. department knew Dan way back when I didn't, I was young at the time, but, but he left and went to some places. Um, he's been around a lot of good baseball schools, Long mm-hmm. Beach state. He was at, he was at Georgia tech. Of course he was at Clemson. He was at LSU, uh, probably leaving some other out, but uh, a lot of good baseball schools. He's been great. He, he came in and, um, I mean, within the first week, he, he came over to the office, met with him for about an hour. I was surprised at how much he knew what was going on. I knew he knew about the history of the program because he had been here before, but about the present of what was going on in our program and what mm-hmm. we were trying to do and what we needed. And he was he obviously had educated himself before he came in here, and he knew a lot. And he's he's been great. I mean, he called me yesterday and congratulated me. And uh, um, in a short period of time, I feel like I've gotten to know him a lot and uh, – so I tell you what, I don't know how much he has to do with the success, but I'm, I'm glad that he's here. And, of course, uh, looking forward to building a relationship with him. Well, and you know this, if you need a Skip Bertman story, he's got about a bucket and a half full of Skip Bertman stories for you too, Gino, from his time at LSU. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of them out there. Skip Bertman stories is a very popular one. He, you know, Skip was here in Miami as a Miami guy. His yeah, number's right. retired on the wall. He, he, he went to Coral Gables High School. Excuse me, he went to Miami Beach High School but played here at Miami and then, of course, coached under Coach Frazier. And, of course, we heard a lot of stories about Skip Bertman uh, when I played here. And uh, he might be uh, mimicked more than any coach in the country. There's a lot of guys that imitate Skip Bertman. (laughs) Yeah, a legend, needless to say. All right, before we let you go, uh, we've been asking coaches this question. I'm curious what your answer will be. Uh, For you specifically, Gino, what is your walk-up music? What's the song that gets you hopping in the mornings? Oh, my goodness. That's a good one there. My walk-up music. Well, I'm a big music guy. I love listening to music. And, um, gosh, I'm going to mess this up right here because J-Ro Keish, our uh, long-time uh, – yeah, J-Ro, the, the legendary J-Ro Keish, our PA guy for 55 years or whatever it's been now, he plays a song. I don't, I don't know if he knows this or not, but he plays a song every time I walk to the uh, home plate for the uh, umpires meeting. And it's a song that I believe was our 1985 national championship theme song. And I'm going to mess this up. I forget who sings the dang song, but it's, it's amazing. It's one of my favorite songs. I haven't even told him this, but he play and he plays it every time I walk up. I have no idea. It's just a coincidence, I guess. And so, but it's like an 80s song. It's an 80s old classic rock song. And, uh, and I remember force. as a little. Gino, hum it for us. Hum it for us. Hum it for it? Oh, gosh, I can't do that. Uh, <laughs> I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting it now. We're, 
But anyway, We're... I was a youngster when I heard that song, and I remember the championship team celebrating to that song, and that was their theme song. So that's my, that's my walk-up song. I'll tell you what, what we're going to find out the answer to that. So for future appearances, yeah. you're going to hear that as yeah. the intro to your uh, appearance on the program because we got to make that happen. That, that, that would be fine with me. You got it. There you go. Hey, uh, Gino, good luck tonight, and good luck this weekend in Blacksburg. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me. Thank you, you very much. Gino Damari, the coach of the Miami Hurricanes. Got it going on, man. They're playing great baseball. Tell the truth. Tonight we got baseball for you on ACC Network, too, because uh, number 20 Florida State hosts the Gators. No love lost between those Knolls and Gators Uh, now. Dick Houser Stadium. Mike Martin Field will be the scene. Coverage starts at 7 right here on the ACC Network and the ESPN app. Gators beat the Knolls. 6-3 6-3 on March 29th in the Jacksonville game. And have won 13 of the last 15 against FSU. Junior will be trying to turn the tide tonight. Packer and Durham concludes Tuesday right after this. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Hey, don't forget the huddle. We'll have highlights and analysis from the uh, four spring football games coming up Saturday night, 10 o'clock. That's Miami, Wake Forest, Virginia Tech, and Duke. Coverage starts right at 10 Eastern, right after Quinnipiac, Virginia. Men's lacrosse Saturday night in primetime pack right here on the ACC Network, streaming live on the ESPN app. I like having all these spring games on. Do you? I do. Yeah, okay. I'm there with you. Sample a little football. Sure. We got all these great spring sports going on. It's always good to have a little football going on. No question. All for it. Uh, All right. We have uh, one announcement here. Uh, Yesterday, Sports Business Journal announced the 40 under 40, recognizing the top 40 folks connected to sports under the age of 40. We are not eligible for this, much like no. uh, the STAA Jim Nance Award. We're not eligible We're for not that eligible. either. But Clemson Athletic Director Graham Neff is eligible and was named one of Sports Business Journal's newest members of the 40 Under 40 Club. And uh, he could be in there again next year, too. Yes, he could, yes. And even the year after yes, that. Yes, yes. Uh, very well could be. So our congratulations to, uh, to Graham Neff who is uh, the newly appointed director of athletics. And when you go through that list, it's a pretty impressive group. It's not just college athletics. Oh, yeah. This is across anything in sports. Yep. Got Big that time. right. Um, all right. You found this video, right? Well, I didn't find I saw it this morning and Did said, I-, I want to put this on the air. Let me just say this ahead of time before you see the video. Okay. And then we just got talking about Miami bas- uh, baseball with Gino. Florida State, hear me out a second. Florida State. I'm talking to an old nation right now. Okay. Florida State. Baseball and softball. If you don't do this, you have missed a golden opportunity. This is a marketing dream. All right. For Florida State exclusively. Softball and baseball. You need to incorporate this into your games. Yeah. Roll the videotape. Savannah Bananas. (laughs) World Tour. Historic Grayson Stadium over the weekend. The bat is on fire. You got the Flaming Spears. Now we're bringing hardware to the plate. Goodness. It's on fire. Florida State's got to do this. Hey, One, I know. It's not lumber. I get it. We can figure something out here. Florida State needs to do this. 
Nobody else in the league could pull that off other than Florida State. By the way, the Bananas World Tour <laughs> is underway in front of sellout houses at Historic Grayson Stadium over the weekend. The World Tour continues this week in Columbus, Georgia for the Savannah Bananas. How are they able to get into Columbus, Georgia with a World Tour? I, 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 How do you pull that off? How did uh, Columbus, Georgia pull that off? It, I don't know. But they're going to Columbus. They're going to Daytona Beach as well oh, on the world tour at when do they make it to myrtle beach uh, so i can go down there and see it. i don't know let me pull up i'll see if i can pull up the schedule and get to you on that um let's see the schedule columbus is this weekend and then off to kansas city oh, and then the Home of the jayhawks well and then they start uh, coastal plains league games in may florence flamingos the macon bacon of course yeah so there you go. Thanks to uh, Tom Luganville, Gino Damari, Drew Brooks, Brian Ives, Casey O'Brien, ladies and gentlemen, also participating in this show with the legendary Jen Milkovitz. That's it. That it? That wraps us on a Tuesday. Uh, I'll be here tomorrow, by the way. 7 a.m. Awfully kind of you. <laughs> See you tomorrow on Packer and Durham. Thank you for listening to the Packer and Durham podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app.